0: You are now now listening to to Renaissance Renaissance. Soul. Soul.
1: welcome to the Renaissance Soul Podcast. I'm your host, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier. For this episode, we are joined by Parker Bengry and Chris Williams. They're just a couple of guys known as the Messenger Birds. And what we're going to do is uh, get into their debut album, Everything Has to Fall Apart Eventually. That was just released October 7th, 2020. Uh, We go into the origins of the band as both guys who have been long close friends found themselves in countless band situations and they finally come together in 2015 to form this duo. So we do a track-by-track breakdown of Everything Has to Fall Apart Eventually along with uh, discussing the videos, the album artwork, and having Third Man Records press the vinyl version of the album. While much of this um, album was written and recorded throughout 2018 and 2019, the outlook of the world that we're living in, shown to us by the Messenger Birds on this album, is very relevant for this crazy 2020. So, without further ado, after a quick word from our sponsor, we'll uh, get into this interview with Parker Bangry and Chris Williams, ...of the Messenger Birds and talk about their debut album, Everything Has a Fall Apart Eventually. Alright, welcome back to the Renaissance Soul Podcast. And joining me is the Messenger Birds. And they are not a rock band, they're just two guys. And those two guys are Parker Bengri and Chris Williams. And we're going to talk about their, uh, their debut album. Their debut album is titled, Everything Has to Fall Apart Eventually... How you doing, guys? Doing good, man. How are you? Good. I'm good. I'm good. You know, just a couple guys. With a couple guys. Two guys became three. Oh, <laughs> two three. Oh, add one. Added one. But um, uh, so you know, to kind of you know start things off with this debut album, it's really good and really enjoyed it. Um, I tuned into the, uh, to the the live stream of the you know Rust Belt Studios performance. Uh, right when it premiered, uh, you guys, uh, you know, it's re- it's just a really cool vibe. Um, you, like, I really dig it, you know? Thank Thanks, you, man. We man. appreciate it. Okay, start things off, like, what, Um, you know, when did this band form? And, like, what was sort of going on in you guys' lives that, you know, contributed to starting the Messenger Birds? Uh, I think this was, like, we started fiddling
0: around with stuff in like the summer of 2014. Um, we were both kind of like on our way out of the bands we were in at the time. And we, uh, we met each other playing hockey uh, in high school. We like came in our freshman year at this like Catholic all boys high school in Michigan. And uh, we were like going into this like summer training camp and we were like weightlifting partners. And so we didn't know anything about our musical background at that point. It's just we were lifting weights and playing hockey. And um, so <laughs> the summer of 2014, as we're fizzling out of these other bands, we were like getting together to watch a Red Wings game or something.
1: Yeah.
0: And so like our, our thing was like once a week there, we'd always get together, like, like get a pizza from somewhere, watch a game and just like hang out. And, and, uh, then we started talking about just like getting back together and jamming. Cause we had done that a little bit through high school and like played in jazz band together. And, and, uh, you know, we've been best friends forever, um, going on what, like, so it's like 14, 14 years. years. Yeah. Huh. So, so it kind of was this thing where we were like, we'd never been in like a, like a serious band outside of high school together. And, uh, the other projects just weren't really working out the way that we wanted them to at the time for different reasons, guys not taking things as seriously as other guys or like, everybody's on a different page and it just, you know, things, things were going wrong. And so we just started kind of like, messing around jamming together and things started clicking and we were like all right well you know maybe we can actually do this and then 2015 is when we really first
1: started playing shows oh nice nice you know what kind of bands were you guys both in like before you started doing this like you know after high school you know where where were like what part of like the detroit area were you guys playing well
2: uh parker was in a lot of metal bands Mm -hmm. and uh yeah, he also went away to went college for a year in Chicago, uh, but I, I was always kind of around Detroit area, and uh, in, in like the college times, of I guess I played in a lot of like college indie rock bands, like uh, just a lot of like house parties and stuff, Yeah, and so that was all over Michigan, I guess, because, you know, there's colleges everywhere. <laughs> but, uh, as a drummer, I guess I played in a lot of different styles, like things that... You know, I, some I, some stuff I really liked, and some of it I just could play it because of the same <laughs> drum beat. Like <laughs> I played in a like a pop country band for a little bit. We just played at bars and <laughs> made a little bit a of money. Time, but yeah. I was uh, I was kind of like uh, an outcast of that one. <laughs> right <laughs> there to play.
0: Yeah, I played in a lot of different types of bands. Uh, like Chris said, a lot of a lot of metal hardcore bands, like some converge style stuff, and like. i've played in some indie pop bands and like i've been all over the map but like um when i was in chicago i wasn't really playing much but i had a buddy um who lived in this kind of community house there that they called summer camp and they hosted a lot of touring bands through there um including if you're familiar with la dispute and touche amore like when they were first coming up so like yeah I saw a lot of a lot of bands that are doing really well right now that were like, nobody's come through my friend's basement in Chicago. And then I moved back here and, you know, was doing some other band stuff. But, yeah, they, we've been in a lot of different projects over the years and, and toured in a couple of different bands. And, um, I, I mean, I would say definitely, like, to this point, the Messenger Birds is the most fun one just because, like, the dynamic between the two of us is so natural and easy and, like, we just don't have to worry about any anybody else coming in and screwing something up because it's just the two of
2: us. Yeah. At this point at this point, it's like, I don't even, I can't even think of doing another band. Like I can't even think of like anything that would be more fun and, uh, just a better like energy and dynamic and way to travel around the country than, than doing it this way.
1: Okay. So like 2015, you guys like, you know, you start doing this band, you know, it kind of, it feels good. You know, you guys are having fun to, uh, you know, playing, you know, shows together. What's, uh, you know, what was those first things that you did that, you know, really when, when you realize when you really realize that you, you're going to take this thing seriously because this thing could be something? I mean, I think that
0: we were taking it seriously as soon as we started it. But we were really kind of like rebranding ourselves in terms of like, we had been in all sorts of different music scenes in Detroit um, that didn't intersect the one that we were kind of coming into at the time. So we had to really kind of like start over from scratch and, and uh, you know, make a lot of new connections uh, on top of the old ones that we already had with, with people at venues. Like I've worked in music venues around here in bars forever. Um, So I know a lot of those people um, for the past 10 years, but I think, there was never a moment where we were like, like, you know, this is just for fun. Like we were always taking it seriously and trying to like plan our next move and figure out what the next step was or like, who was the next person we needed to kind of like connect with to, to get to that next level. Um, that we're, we're pretty calculated in that way. I don't think we've ever just kind of like, like sat around and be like, well, maybe something will happen or maybe it won't. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, we, we try to be as, as calculated and prepared as we
2: can be to to keep pushing things where we want them to go, I think something that's really helped us with that too is uh, the the people who were in the Detroit music scene who wanted to put on big shows with us, people who wanted to work with us, and the way that the the fans who who came out to those shows uh, interacted with us and everything helped us just keep pushing harder. And uh, even though we were yeah, committed the, the whole time, it's it just made it easier to, to do it and to do it bigger, just with everybody else's energy.
1: And, you know, during that step where you're sort of reinventing yourselves, you know, was there anything that you had to be honest about yourselves and like let go from the past?
0: Um, honestly, I think that it was more of a relief just that we had started doing something that was just the two of us, because like I said earlier, um, you know, we have such this like natural best friend brotherly dynamic where like, you know, we don't really have like real fights, you know, we, we just kind of like have always had this way of, of working things out in a way that's like mutually beneficial. And we are always kind of on the same page for the most part. So um, it was more just a relief to to be in a project where we were both always on the same page, at least in terms of, of what we were trying to do and, and you know, finding ways to, to make those things happen.
2: From going from like five or four people in a band down to two, we've definitely had to, I think, like grab more rather than let things go. We've had to build ourselves up and pick up new uh, skills and like mindset on how to how to work things
0: i think the hardest part uh of that it was like when you are in a five-piece band or a four-piece band you have more things like on on a in a live stage setting where like if you have a uh, make a mistake it's covered up a little bit more by the other four guys and <laughs> it's just the two of us like it, it really at first it's like all right all eyes are on us we got to really really have our shit together and uh that was i think the the more difficult part but the other stuff really made it easier there was you know less logistics to be worried about Mm -hmm. not not as many schedules to kind of like coordinate and figure out who has this on what day when can we practice like it's it's a lot easier for us to manage
1: you know there's definitely been band in bands that have become popular that were just a a two-piece band um you know At what point were you, were you guys just like, let's, you know, let's do that. Let's just do it. Be a two piece band.
0: I think it was right away because (laughs) it was, uh, it was just minimizing the the noise minimizing (laughs) the amount of conflict that we could have. And um, it didn't really have a lot to do with like, we like these types of two piece bands. It was more just like, we, we work really well, just the two of us. Let's just keep it that way because this seems to be working and we don't need to introduce any other elements into it at, at the moment. So that's, that's kind of like, if there was ever a time where we felt like, yeah, we could benefit from adding a third person or like we want to add a third person or a fourth person, like we, you know, that's not off the table, but we've never yeah had that, had that moment happen. So.
2: Yeah. We were open at the start. Of, I remember like being like, if we can't pull this off with two people, then, you know, we consider a third, but like, it, it's never really been a question. It always kind of like, worked out and sounded really good and we've been happy with it.
1: Yeah, that's that's kind of a thing where like if there's there's a band that has a set amount of of um members in it whether it is 2 or 3 or 4, you know, if they need that extra member at times, you know, they're always open to it, but for the creative process, you know, it's cool that you guys just recognized early like, I just that just be two people. Yeah.
0: And over the years we've had a lot of people be like, "Hey man, here we got need a bass player or like, you know, and just, you know, hit me up or what and, and we're just like, Yeah, you know, we will. Um, uh, we don't need it right now, but thanks. <laughs> He's
2: like, yeah, you don't have anybody playing bass. And I'm like, uh, Parker plays the bass. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's
1: kinda of how it works. Boat. that's how it works. Um, you know, how you know, how early did you guys start writing material that would end up on this debut album? Uh, two thousand eighteen. Yeah, so I think it, was it was all two thousand eighteen.
0: Okay. It was um I think we wrote most of it. Uh, there was like one song that we wrote in April of that year, another song that we wrote in September, and then the rest of it was like probably December uh, and maybe like a little bit finished up in January of 2019. But it was all like other than two two of the earlier songs, uh, it was it was really done in kind of like a a month. Um, so it was it was interesting because at the time we were like talking to a couple of different managers and, and like trying to shop things around. And then um, we ended up going with our current manager and uh, there's, there's been a couple of like personnel changes along the way, but like our manager has stayed our manager since then. And uh, we were given the green light to like, all right, yeah, let's make an album. And uh, at the, we didn't have it fully done yet, but we were kind of given this like, I don't I don't remember if we were given a date that we had to go and get it done by but we kind of were like all right let's get this done and get it studio get yeah. out so we can get things moving and then um you know this and that happened and then we had somewhat of a release plan and then covid happened <laughs> and then so things just kept getting pushed back in terms of the release we would have ideally released it much sooner but uh you know it, it ended up i think probably being released at the exact moment that it probably needed to be just in terms of what's going on in the world and, and what the content of the record is. All
1: right. What were you, what were you guys uh, performing before you started writing for this album? Any of those songs? How many songs did you write, you know, before that? Um, yeah. there
2: like five or six.
1: There were, Yeah, there were,
0: there were probably a good five or six songs that we had. Uh, some of them we don't play anymore. Some of them are on, um, uh, an EP, uh, the Goodyear's EP that we Mm -hmm. still play a few every once in a while. But yeah, we, we had some old, old songs on like a a demo that maybe exists somewhere in the world still. And then we had that EP and then uh, every once in a while we throw some covers in, like we, we frequently play a a Nirvana cover. Um, we, we love, uh, playing breed and that's a good one. We've done a couple others over the years, but, uh, yeah, it was mostly just those, like, five or six old songs and then a cover sprinkled in here and there.
1: You know, what's sort of, like, the difference, in your guys' opinion, of that old material and then the stuff that would be on the album? Well, the old stuff is definitely more garage
2: rocky, and uh, we we wanted a lot more uh, noise with this album, I guess. there's a There's a bigger spectrum of sound, uh and not just like guitar sounds well they're from a guitar but they'll be like more some digital sounding sounds yep. <laughs> that makes that spacey sounds aggressive harsh ones kind of like synthy stuff Synth i mean there, there are some
0: actual synthesizers on the record too but there's there's some uh different like pedals that we use that you kind of make my guitar sound like instruments that it isn't um So that that's always been interesting to me is just like all the the different noises that you can make with a guitar and with pedals and different combinations of pedals. And um, right before we finished writing the record, I got a couple of new pedals from Earthquaker that really kind of changed the way I looked at some things. So that definitely lent itself to um some of the songs like everything has to fall apart eventually and uh play dead and a couple other ones on there definitely had a lot to uh a lot to do with those pedals so i I think for me like adding new sounds into the vocabulary of of the the songwriting definitely helps change things up and uh we're always looking for for new ways that we can do that just because when you're only a band of two people there's there's so much you can do if you just keep using the same tools over and over again yeah it's it's just always finding ways to keep it fresh and and do something new yeah a lot more layers on this
2: on this new stuff
1: yeah talk more about that like when you're um thinking about adding new sounds to the to the band but you guys are just two people you know how how you know you talk about the pedals and everything how do you kind of reconcile that whether or not you can do it properly both um you know recording it and doing it live
0: i think that um we try to think of of uh, it, during the writing process or whenever we're like trying to to jam something out we're we're constantly thinking of like how is this going to come across live and so before we take anything to the studio, we already kind of have an idea of what that's going to be. Um, and I think a lot of times we write songs to be live songs as opposed to just like straight up album songs. So 90% of, of what you hear on the album is pretty much exactly how we play it live, give or take, you know, and a
2: little instrumentation here or there. But um it's a fun little challenge because you do all these things when you're writing and you're thinking like, can we pull it off live? And then you play around. It's a bunch of, you know, Parker messing around with tones and knobs and like practicing a ton and trying to get the, make sure the vocals are there and everything. And yeah, it's, it's pretty, it's, it's a little challenging, but I I think we pull it off very well.
0: I think more often than not what happens is if like, if we're working on something and I, just have this feeling like it's not working or like it, it doesn't sound the way I envisioned it. I, I toss it away, like at least temporarily. And I'm like, yeah, let's uh, let's stop working on this thing. I don't think it's, it's doing what we want it to do and then go to something else. But it's, it's always, it always comes from a place of uh, what's this going to sound like live? How's it going to come across? What kind of part is this? Or what kind of vibe are we trying to convey? Um, And then we go from there so if if it's working we keep going if it if it's not working we don't force it we just kind of put it to the side or completely disregard it and then move on to the next thing
1: at the you know at the time where you kind of have this you know deadline in your in your minds about finishing this record when you start um writing recording more uh more tunes you know aside from maybe just the sound what what else did you want to accomplish with this debut album
0: I think mostly like as we were just talking about this recently uh was that we really wanted to get away from the idea of us just being this like garage rock two-piece because that's what so many of the the two pieces that are are super well known are you know you think about the white stripes or the black keys um, who you know now isn't really a two-piece anyway but but they all were these garage rock duos that had kind of similar sounds and um, when we first started, that's kind of what we were pegged as, and and the two of us both knew, you know, that's not the band we wanted to be pigeonholed as because we have such a diverse um, catalog of of uh, influences. So we wanted to really make sure on this record that we were bringing out all those things that that are a part of who we are as musicians and and kind of broaden the spectrum of what our sound can be so it's not just a garage rock song or it's not just an alt rock song it's that it, you know it can be a lot of different things and i don't think that um genre doesn't matter to us as much as as uh, people might think it does
1: <laughs> nice nice let's um let's get into the the actual album itself and you know to talk about the each song um just you know for each song uh just want to you know know about anything interesting about you know the the theme of the song recording it or whatever sure so the first one on the opening track on the album is play dead just for thought you want to talk
2: about there's a couple uh, <laughs> interesting things about this one yeah we we started we started with the with the instrumentation on this one um we were we were jamming out i think parker had like somewhat of a, an idea going and uh he started layering all these different sounds together which turns out to be the the ending part of the song that you hear with the with the big wall and different layers of a million different sounds and then with a big heavy beat to, to to lay as the foundation i guess and uh that the lyrics of that one uh were written a little bit before we were touring uh Driving, I was driving in the mountains, and Parker was just looking up, like, current event articles. It's uh, like
0: surfing Facebook and all that kind of stuff, and, like, <laughs> you know, news articles just pop up, so that's what I was doing while he was in the driver's seat.
2: Yeah, came up with some, like, very, like, it's like he predicted the future, and, like, <laughs> said <says> some apocalyptic <laughs> shit, and, like, and then that song, like, developed into uh, what I consider one of our, like it's one of, I'm pretty proud of that song it it tells a story most people seem to be pretty they're pretty into it when they hear it and they've said some kind words and uh that one also turned into like a 2020 a very 2020 song like it, <laughs> once the pandemic hit we're like we need to like we need to throw this one out there for everyone to hear
0: yeah that wasn't originally going to be like a single from the album that was just supposed to be an album song and a live song and um then when uh, we, re- we released a single, like, I think in March, just when we started, like, we were about to hit lockdown. And uh, then, like, a month or month and a half later, maybe, we were like, well, uh, <laughs> this song seems pretty appropriate. Let's make a weird video and let's put it out. And so, uh, yeah, th- it went from being, like, that we're not going to release this until the album comes out to like, this seems like we should probably just put it out now. So <laughs> our, our change, our, our, our uh, plans always kind of like change on the fly, just because we don't have a lot of stuff uh, like holding us down. Cause we're an independent band and you know, our, our manager is pretty supportive of our ideas and, and really helps us go for like She's usually on the same page. Again, like we have this team of of people that we're working with that that all seem to be kind of like really in sync, uh, which is nice. It makes things super easy for us. Yeah, um, we've been fortunate to not butt heads anywhere yet. <laughs> yeah, we haven't we haven't uh, gotten ourselves in a situation where we're like, nope, I don't like where you're going with that. Uh, <laughs> we're not. We're, this isn't
2: working. <laughs>
1: Uh, the uh, next song is
0: uh, of uh, Chris double-trapped drums oh. on that on that song. Oh too. yeah, I also oh. use
2: bigger drums than uh, what I usually use. Oh, okay. bigger drums and bigger cymbals. <laughs> All right, the next song on there is Phantom Limb. Yeah, that was our big one. That was the first, uh, second one we released on uh, yeah. this album. That was the one that really kickstarted a lot of things, though. Uh, that.
0: Got uh, put on a couple of pretty big Spotify playlists uh, when it was released and and it kind of blew things up a little bit. So it was uh, the first song that people really kind of identified with us on a a larger scale and uh, kind of set things in motion for this album to be made. So that's I mean, that's most of what I have to say about that one. But
2: uh, I think a music video is pretty interesting for that (laughs) one uh (laughs) because. Oh, we we no. were in Detroit. Uh, I don't know if you saw the music video or not. It's uh, Parker running in a bunch of different spots in Detroit. We went to like 35 locations <laughs> and spent two days, and I was uh, sprinting for all of it. It was like September, and in Detroit, September can be like chilly in fall, but it just so happened to be uh, 95 degrees. degrees. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. So-
2: Parker's wearing full denim, like uh, Canadian tuxedo, as some people call it, and sprinting black, black denim. So it's, 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 wow. <laughs> yeah, yeah and everything's extra hot in that a hundred times sprinting. And, uh, I just kind of got to, to help and watch and set up my drums <laughs> <laughs> just sitting in the background like, Hey dude, you good? you need some water? And I was like, this is, uh, I don't know if Parker's regretting this uh, music video idea at this point or not. How'd you feel yeah, the next day day, day two uh
0: <laughs> i showed up and my entire body was just like like stiff like uh, you know when you when you work your body out to a point of of complete exhaustion and then you wake up the next day and your muscles are like there's all sorts of lactic acid and you can barely move so like i i went to do the first sprint and i could just tell my body looked awkward i was like let me do a couple more of these so i can like get things moving a little bit. But I mean,
2: day two was just absolutely brutal. And uh, he he had to have done over 120 sprints. Wow. It was was more than two per location, so. I easily sprinted like 20 miles between the two days. (laughs) uh,
0: It it was pretty bad. But the the director and producer of the video uh, by the morning of day two like midway through the morning, just kept looking, like every time he asked me to redo a take or something, he would be like, Hey man, I'm, I'm really sorry. You know, i like, I'm not trying to be like mean or like, like push you to do something. You know, I'm just, I just want to get the right shot. I'm like, dude, it's fine. Like, cause I, I am one of those people that like, if you don't know me really well, I just kind of have this straight face that looks like I'm always mad. So, like, he, I think he thought that I was just like really pissed at him for like making me like redo all these running takes. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just like, I'm tired, dude. You got to understand, like, I'm doing the takes, I'm going to run. I, I'm i not mad at you. Just like, just tell me to do it and I'll do
2: it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's fantastic. Uh, the next song is What You Want to Hear. That was
2: a fun one. That was, that's one of the more hard hitting ones on, on the album. Big rocker uh, yeah that one I guess kind of sounds more like our garage rocky roots that we that we came from uh, definitely could be like a like something you hear at a sports game or something but uh, I thought something that was fun from that one was recording it in the, in the studio and uh, the you hear this like Jake being yelled at the <laughs> beginning of the song that was fun We kept that in there because that was our our uh, producer had an intern named Jake. And uh, still has an
0: intern named Jake. Still has
2: the intern named Jake. Jake's a really good guy, super helpful. But Steve still yells at him anyway. And he'll be right next to him and he'll scream Jake right at him. So he... Yeah, like you can't communicate with him at a normal volume. So he has to constantly
0: scream Jake, <laughs> even if he's a foot away from he him. He says it
2: the same way every time, too. So he recorded all his jakes and he layered them over each other. <laughs>
0: So if you go back and listen to that song and and hear the the very start of its song, now you know what that is. (laughs) That's fantastic. That's not me yelling. That's that's our producer, Steve.
1: (laughs) What um okay, the next song is um, self-destruct.
0: Yeah. Um so that one was the first one we released that's on the album. Um and that was i think april like mid-april of 2018. Yeah, that was in
2: april 2018.
0: but we when we did it for the album we actually kind of gave it a tune-up we re-recorded a couple parts and and so if you listen to the original recording it definitely is is not as as beefy and heavy as the album mm-hmm. version um we had phantom limb also right? had a little bit of a tune tune up too but yeah the the self-destruct um it definitely we we re-recorded the bass on it and maybe we recorded some we recorded the drums too re-recorded the drums but uh yeah that we we made the drums definitely sound bigger the bass sounded a little fatter beefier Mm and meaner um but that that song was kind of written like in relation to again like a, a lot of this stuff comes from from current events and, and things of the time that like i'm i'm reading and i'm just absolutely appalled by and uh so there's a lot of references to like the the charlottesville um uh, tiki torch marches and and the mm. all that stuff and just like feeling like you're 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 living in a time machine and and seeing stuff that should have been happening like 70 years ago yeah, and yeah. never happened again <laughs> right <here> <laughs> Here, here we are. Here we are again. 1940s America. Germany. I don't know. Whatever, whatever <laughs> you want to call
2: it.
1: Um, Yeah, you mentioned a couple of times about, like, going back and beefing up uh, some of these songs from when you first recorded them. What was sort of, like, the, you know, the experience in the studio working with Steve? In rega- what did he bring to this album?
2: A lot. Yeah, he's he's super... His mind's always gone with... Uh, creativity when it comes to sounds and noises. And he, he had some of the ideas for some of the filler sounds that, that you'll hear. in uh, I think play dead and, uh, no pardon have some, uh, big sounds in them too. He's got a wealth of, uh, of just different tools
0: in there and, and pedals that are actually, there's a, there's a couple of pedals at the studio that are built on site by the owner, Al, uh, Al Sutton. And, um, a lot of really cool like fuzz pedals and and then some other just wild sounding stuff and um uh, some like a couple of like the di's and preamps that they use are, are all made there and al sells them and does stuff for nam but uh yeah i mean steve steve always has his mind around like what's what's going to sound the coolest this way like what what are we going to tweak uh eq wise on on this thing or that thing he gets the drum sounding he spends like two hours went on day one just getting the drum sounding right yeah. and uh you know it's just me sitting on the couch watching him twist knobs and like mess with preamps and do all this crazy shit and like i have no idea what he's doing <laughs> but, but steve just somehow gets it to sound insane and then um he he just he's he's down to try anything and he just gets in this mode where like we we go in there we joke around with steve the entire time and and things get a little wild but uh he he gets in this zone where like he just is on it and he's like let's try this let's do this let's
2: do this yeah at the end of the day he'll stay up all night like editing it to where he where he hears it should be and then gets it to that place and we like you know, we're done for the day. It's like midnight. We're going home. We're like, oh, yeah, Steve, we're done. And, and he's still just like, he's got this idea of where,
0: it, where it's going and where it needs to be that like, we're like, uh, you know, we have no idea. He goes into mad
2: scientist mode on the computer. He's just like, <laughs> let me get this. And then four in the morning, we get an email saying like, here's the raw first mixes. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take a listen. They sound amazing every time. Yeah. Nice. Nice.
1: Uh, the next song is On Lies."
2: Honest Lies is
0: actually one of our oldest songs that we uh, decided needed to be on the album. We've been playing that one live for a long time, but uh, the only version of it that existed was kind of a like older demo version. Um, so we gave that we we sped it up a little bit from where it used to be. It actually used to be kind of a slower song. It was still pretty drivey, but uh, it was a uh, it gave it a much needed speed boost and. Uh, added a couple layers of weird synth, wild guitar sounds, and um, you yeah. Since so we
2: played that a lot live, we added some like more character to it with the with the drums and the guitar. What we're doing very interactive with each other, very back and forth. Mm-hmm. But yeah,
0: there was a it, we felt like it just it it needed to to get some airtime on the new album, get some, see some more light out there, and uh, we we we've always liked that one, so we we wanted to keep it. Uh, the next one is "No Pardon." Another
2: very fun, just jammy song, right? I mean, that one. Yeah, we wanted that one to have energy and uh, kind of be, like get people pumped. I guess uh, it's definitely the, the like the pump up song on the album to, for us. Yeah,
0: uh, like it, a lot of it was based around the like the drum beat and um, just kind of this like like really aggressive. Uh, like synthesizer um kind of guitar uh what's the word like distortion um so yeah i don't know it's just like listening to a bunch of like punk rock and then listening to some nine inch nails and like just getting getting as aggressive as we could with that one and then again getting really angry at the news and and
2: uh <laughs> and about it I, I feel like i do a lot of that but you know
0: that is one is also, uh,
2: we're talking about layers of sounds and and then Steve's uh, influence on them. Uh, at the end of that song, he takes, a, uh, Steve, the producer, took a drill, a power drill without a drill bit in it and put that against Parker's guitar. Like right near the pickup. So yeah. it just like made this crazy So pickup drill, like a drill is going like, it's kind of that, that ring, like that, that, yeah. that vi- vibrating, like ring. <clears throat> yeah. So it's like, the, it's the drill mixed with, like not just
0: my guitar but it's like it's got the it, well it's the drill and then my natural guitar tone and then i had the data corruptor on, on with like an oscillator setting on so it's like this weird synthesizer oscillator sound to begin with and then the drill
1: just makes it sound ridiculous yeah that was nice nice cool uh the next uh, song on there is the is the title track of the album everything has to fall fall apart eventually
2: yeah we put a lot of work into that one that was uh that was one bad. of the last ones that we wrote yeah we started off as again like we we jam a lot of them out uh this was another one where we were just kind of jamming together like not sure if this one started with the with uh, parker's guitar like chugging or if it was like some of the drum beat a little bit too and uh either way we got to that part in the middle of the song it's got a bunch of layers on it i think that was was the first part i wrote actually was the the first part the
0: the bridge but but it was like uh, i was kind of messing with my guitar and my pedal board at home um before we met up one week and i just kind of looped these uh lead lines together and and made this weird thing and it was what it was like half the speed of what it is on the record and so it, it was this entirely different thing and i was like hey chris check this out i like and i like made this weird drum sound out of my guitar on this like little phone demo i sent him and he's like yeah that's sweet let's like let's check it out and then we went to practice the like couple days later and uh i think we just ended up like doing it a little bit faster and then like making kind of an improv groove out of it that was like eight minutes long then from there (laughs) cut it way down and then and then i think the the other idea for like the actual verse kind of driving groove like chris had this like drum beat that i thought was sweet and i was like let me just play with that and then it kind of uh came together from there i was like oh this part sounds sweet what if we like use this uh weird like groove thing that we did with all this uh the lead loops that i had kind of smushed it together and made a song out of it so it was kind of a hodgepodge of stuff for a minute and then we just kind of bit by bit chopped it it. chopped it up and
2: and molded it together to where it made sense yeah tweaking in some things and yeah that one that was pretty satisfying at the end we're like wow like this is it's like awesome masterpiece we have <laughs> that one i think is probably steve's uh,
0: proudest in terms of just like weird sound ideas too that like he, right. he had and just like different things that he tried in the studio there's, yeah. a, there's a lot going on with that one
1: how, you know how often do you guys just like think of ideas when you're at home you know just putzing around and just like record it quickly on your phone constantly yeah uh,
2: it's always something
1: like that and they're not together. all good
2: <laughs> yeah. I'll
0: tell you that but uh I uh, every time I hear something in my head that I'm like oh that sounds like kind of cool and if, and I realize like it's not something that I've already like heard on the like I, as soon as I realize I'm not just humming something I've heard somewhere else I'm like oh that's kind of cool like let me just mouth it into my phone real quick so I'll like show Chris I'm like hey I got this idea and then it's just me going Ne-ne-ne-ne-ne it's like something that's in-
2: unintelligible and just sounds stupid but yeah, you'll hear like one part of like some song that's like a, a layer of guitar and you'll be like i can hear a whole different song coming off of that so you gotta like tell yourself to remember that so yeah or record it on the phone and like, i've gone
0: back so many times and listened to like like mouth instrument demo ideas that i like i know sounded completely different to me when i first made them. And then I listen back to it. And I'm like, I can't hear whatever it was that I heard before. And it just makes no sense. But <laughs> yeah. I I do it all the time where I, I just I have an idea. I mouth it into my phone and then hope that I remember it later.
2: Yeah, because there's to, no other way to do it. And we get together <laughs> pretty often. So, well, we still jam like even when we're not like we don't need to write new music, but we always are. We're always we're always jamming things out and then songs come out of nowhere or at least the song starting ideas. So we did even some of that today while we are waiting for you. Nice, nice. The next
1: song is When You've Had Enough. Uh,
2: this, one was, uh,
0: this one was me. This one um, was all, all Parker. I, I don't remember um, what the specific like motivation was to write this one, but I think we were coming to the end of, of writing the album and I was like, you know, we, we have a lot of like really uh, heavy hitting songs on here. And like, I think we need something to break it up a little bit. And, um, uh, I had been just kind of messing like, I uh, we're super into like indie folk rock stuff too. Um, which, you know, you may not have gotten from like hearing our older stuff or hearing us play or seeing us play live. Like we're, we're pretty wild and, and, and loud, but, Um, it's definitely like a big part of our, our musical influences is the, the the folk rock stuff. Like I'm big into bright eyes, Conor O'Burst. I'm a big fan of Phoebe Bridgers right now. We've always been into like death cat for cutie and stuff like that. Explosions in the sky. So like, we're super into all that stuff, but um, so I, I think I was just like messing around with and bony bear is a big one for two. We, for us too. We really love, love his stuff uh but i was just messing around with with something uh like that chord progression and then i had um like almost a whole song worth of of ideas written down in like a a iphone note and so i one day just kind of like recorded it on my phone and sent it to chris and our manager i was like hey what do you guys think of this and they're like that sounds sweet we should have that on the album and so i just kind of was like a really quick easy one that happened to come together right when we needed it um so we we're pretty happy
1: with that and the final uh, album, song on the album is start again
0: this one is another one of our favorites just because it, it's it closes the album so well kind of makes it all feel like it comes full circle at the end and it's, yeah i thought uh, i
2: thought, thought we need something like super super heavy like more like we was like this should be the heaviest part and then i think i remember parker being like well if we start off like chill and then like and then really slam into it and uh once we messed around with some things that that was definitely the right decision
0: <laughs> yeah it was um we wanted to because when we we thought that play dead was either had to be the opener or the closer on the album and i really wanted it to be the opener so we're like we gotta we gotta figure out a way to end this thing right and uh so start again kind of came out of like the the lyrics of an old song of ours that we we wanted to keep alive in some way because we don't play it anymore and and it's it doesn't really feel much like us at this point so we we're like all right well i feel like we need to somehow give it some new life and and change it up and actually make it into a new thing that that feels more like us on this record now so we we took some bits we we changed it up a little bit changed some of the words and changed the the phrasing a little bit and then it just turned into uh that that album song um but but it really was like let's let's kind of transition out of this kind of soft dynamic out of when you've had enough start with something that like really eases you into it and then just slams you as soon as it really comes in and 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 ends the the album on a an explosive note
1: talk about the the sequencing of the album what did you want to accomplish with that you know it's
0: uh it's funny because we thought a lot about the sequencing but i think it almost like the more we look back on the album the more it makes like
2: even more sense than we ever thought it did i don't know if you feel that way yeah definitely the they kind of put themselves into play. We we started with a couple that were written spread up spread apart from each other. I mean, they were, early 2018 was the first one. End of 2018 was the next one, and then we just wrote a couple more, and that kind of filled in the blanks. And then we kind of just grew after that. If you're talking about we we wanted to to have a a lot of big powerful songs. I guess is probably how we started. And then when it came to think about an album, it's like we want to put a lot more in there. So we just filled in the rest of the blanks with some lurking, building intensity. Uh, definitely wanted to keep it like pounding pretty hard for like tracks two through five or six or whatever it was. And but we wanted to have some softness in there too to, to balance it out, so. Yeah,
0: I think you, when you think too about like the, the lyrical content and the themes of the record and like all the cadences and stuff like that, um, the the dynamic of the music really kind of follows the storyline This like all these kind of changing uh, vignettes with different narrators and and this and that, like it all goes through this, this kind of roller coaster of like, it starts with the, the apocalyptic vibe and play dead and and things are going to shit and everything's going to die and and whatever tensions are growing. Yeah. And uh, you know, it just, it gets aggressive. It gets more aggressive. It kind of chills out a little bit, you know, gets more super aggressive, coming. very aggressive, it gets really chill and then things are looking up a little bit. And then all of a sudden it's right back to, <laughs> uh, you know, things are exploding and, and going more chaos on. Yeah, chaos. More
2: chaos. Right so, when you think everything's going to chill out and be good, it comes back without you being ready for it. Nice.
0: Just when you think things are fine again, they're not,
1: (laughs) you know, after listening to the album and just hearing you guys talk about the making of it, um, the album artwork is kind of obvious, but talk about the, you know, the making of the the album artwork.
2: That was really fun. Uh, (laughs) Yeah. The, the idea came out with, uh, start off being, let's put something on a TV and, uh, it was like okay, let's let's try to get like an old TV, and we found the old TV pretty easy. It's like sweet. It's like what if we have something on the TV, and we set it on fire? <laughs> so and then uh, and then it only made sense to smash it after that. So that's what
1: <laughs> perfect. But yeah,
2: the TV is like uh, it's kind of like the portal of how people receive their information, and it's like classically been that way for geez since the fifties, right? 40s, 50s. When yeah, 50s is when,
1: like, when, you know, TVs were um, getting into homes a lot more.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot more people started having them and yeah. and, yeah, access to them. And everybody seems to get their information from, it's from news articles and blogs. And it's like the TV is the classic way of portraying that information. So, because, like, people it get it off the internet more so now, but,
0: like, there's still the TV and, like, it, it felt like um i think the reason part of the reason we wanted to get one of those older TVs we just like got it off facebook marketplace from somebody and
1: uh of course everybody in the detroit area has something like right, that yeah <laughs> and uh,
2: yeah it was it, from the 60s it,
0: so, it we wanted it to be that way cuz it kind of felt old and new at the same time um which is a lot of what the record is uh
2: referencing right um, since the album coming out is the new then we had to you know bring something old to to balance it out. And so like the
0: the old TV is this, you know, people have been forever getting getting their information from this medium and like this transition to the computer, but it's still like the uh, I don't know. There's everybody has this nostalgia. That that's like a big part of the record and then uh finding a news that's like biased one way or the other and and trying to make sense of it and like and there's like,
1: is- there's like there's like there's like you know, bigoted racial racial nostalgia also compacted into all that. We're like, right. are we in the '50s again? <laughs> you know?
2: Exactly. Yeah. So I think that the TV was part of that, and and yeah. uh, with all the information that is like contradicting itself and just confusing to try to process all of it, and then that's kind of where you get that like on on fire. It's like my head feels like it's on fire cause the TV's giving me or internet, whatever news is just like, giving me all this different information. Yeah. It's confusing. Right. It's, it's polarizing. It's, and the American flag thing uh, we had talked
0: about, you know, wanting to somehow incorporate that just because like we're going through such a, a, a turbulent time in the States right now. Um, and it's weird because it almost doesn't even feel like the elections right around the corner right now. Like it, it just because we're all stuck at home still in some way. I mean, we're going to work, but like, we're still in the middle of a pandemic and uh, there's only been one debate and then like the two weird dueling town halls that <laughs> happened. And all I don't know, the things things are just like very different from how they normally are. And, um, you know, we we a lot of the record is in reference to um, kind of the dumpster fire of what America is is becoming with all sorts of just conspiracies and people trying to make sense of narratives that don't make sense. And um so the the flag being upside down is just, you know, we the, the country's in distress, we're in distress. Um, you know, SOS, America and uh the the TV being on fire is just our, our way of of uh it's like a little bit of um just portraying that that everything sucks right now, uh, but also like a little bit of a catharsis of like, yeah, we're just gonna burn it all, you know, like yeah. what else are we gonna do? <laughs>
1: Right. Once you had this album done, it was everything was mastered, it was complete. You know, what was your feelings about it, you know, during those first listens? Oh, we excited. couldn't stop
0: listening to it, man. We're excited. <laughs> we just wanted everybody to hear it. We're yeah. We still want everybody to hear it. Not enough people have heard it. We want yeah, more. We want it out there. <laughs> we
1: want everybody to hear it. You know, what do you feel like is what? What do you want your listeners to get out of listening to this album?
0: Um, I mean, hopefully, there's some sense of uh, of hope in the the human condition of like, you know, every everything uh, that we go through is is some manner of suffering in some form, and like when nothing makes sense, you know, hopefully, we're coming to that point where like it's sort of like that that Ultimate climax where like everything just comes to a screeching halt, and it's it everything's burnt down and and destroyed, and then we have to rebuild it somehow so it's it's you know things are terrible right now, and hopefully we can sort of find our way out of it as a a collective unit yeah of, together uh you know community and and whatever so that's that's like hopefully what the the overarching message is from the album that people take away. But we we've always liked to write things in in somewhat of an open ended, open interpretation kind of way. I think that that's what we've always appreciated from uh, music, literature,
2: art in general. So uh, that's that's where our heads are at. Yeah, hopefully people who are listening to it too can find some familiarity with the songs and then also hear some of the new things that we're doing that maybe they haven't heard before
1: you know this album came into fruition like during a pandemic you know how did you guys sort of keep your minds you know straight about you know not giving up on it or feeling lost during this time
0: That's a good question. I mean, we definitely felt like if we didn't release it now, like when were we going
2: to release it? Because it had already been pushed back quite a bit. Yeah, it seemed like no better time either, just as far as the music uh, relating to the real world uh, events. But uh, then we were excited, like we're going to make more music anyway, so we'll just... We'll just keep it going. Yeah. I mean, everything about this record seems kind
0: of symbolic in its own way. Like the the song meanings to us were not written about 2020, but they just keep reinventing themselves in our brains. And like every time I listen to uh, one of the songs, it's like this isn't what I wrote it about, but it definitely feels like it now. And
2: yeah, it is kind of funny where we have like people asking us if like it was written about. 2020 a lot or like uh the pandemic itself and it never has but then listening to it again it's like you almost start to forget like like what we were writing about when we are when we we're working on it you forget that it was written two years before any of this shit
0: happened and like um for the most part and and people uh are finding things that are more relatable to it now than I mean, you even might've been, so I feel like it, it ended up being kind of the perfect time to release it, even if we can't tour with it right now and things aren't the way that we'd like them to be, but we felt like it was definitely time to, to get it
1: out there. Why do you feel like these topics that you wrote about in 2018, 2019, um, came to such fruition in 2020 you know what you know what did you see in those topics that are maybe like just getting blown out of the water now you know like what what do you remember what was going through your head at those times i mean it there might
0: be part of it where like it it, it was maybe a little bit more on the fringe then uh, in those early years of the i mean it's all like very trump era kind of stuff and uh you know it's no secret that we're or we're far from Trump supporters, but, um, you know, we, we were seeing a lot of just like crazy conspiracy, crazy, like just happenings in the news, things happening here, things happening abroad. Um, just like things you never would expect in, in modern day world history to, to be happening, um, at the scale that they're happening. And, uh, it it was almost like people were forgetting their own history. And so um, I think it was more of like looking at what's going on and seeing the direction it was headed and being like, I don't like where this is going and it's, it's, this isn't done. It's going to get worse. And so that's kind of like where. So we wrote about where it was going and then (laughs) then it actually actually got there. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. So it's, it's definitely weird. Like we, we didn't intend to predict anything or like we, we don't claim to be like, like philosophers or or you know Nostradamus or I don't know whatever but like you know, it boils down to um in in times of distress like all these types of things conspiracies all these things on the fringe like they they have more time to, and and places to incubate and um we we were just seeing a lot of weird stuff brewing and we're like I don't like where this is going <laughs>
2: yeah you got a lot of insight onto everybody's
1: lives now it's it's kind of a strange thing the internet's
0: a weird place
1: <laughs> the vinyl for this album is being pressed by third man talk about that uh,
2: yeah a local place uh third man pressing uh yeah jack white's facility uh we just wanted to We we've always liked everything that jack white's done it's a it's a local place we wanted to support it and they were super easy to work with and um yeah they did a great job with everything yeah they're really i mean for
0: for how backed up things can be especially with the pandemic going on they they were fairly quick with everything the turnaround was great uh they were just really easy for us to work with and so we we uh couldn't imagine doing it any other way at this point
1: you know how, how did it uh feel to hear this record on vinyl
0: felt well, so right. Sweet. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's one of those things where like you hear a record for the first time and then you hear it on vinyl for the first time and it's a completely different feeling. That's kind of what it was like for us. Like when I, you listen, we grew up listening to all that nineties grunge and, and like rock and roll and, and, you know, even listening to the classic stuff like Zeppelin and all that stuff. And then like you hear it. Cause we, we grew up in, in, you know, nineties, two thousands, but, so it was like the era of CDs and and uh, then like LimeWire, Napster, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And uh, but then when vinyl started making a comeback, and you know you you re-listen to those albums on vinyl, you're just like, oh man, this is entirely a new feeling. It's like how the
1: record was supposed to be listened to in a way. Yeah. So, um, guys, have any final thoughts about this album that you'd like to share?
2: Um, Are we I don't know I I think we covered it. A, covered a lot yeah if you haven't I don't know <laughs> dude be yeah we'd really appreciate if you check it out <laughs> and uh, hopefully enjoy it man we had a lot of a lot of fun making it it's been a long time and we just hope that uh, people enjoy listening to it cool yeah you know hopefully people take
0: something away from it and and uh, and enjoy it in whatever way makes sense to them and hopefully we can play it in, in in person for
1: some people at some point in the near future. Where can people go online to get more information about the messenger birds and about the new album? Uh, the
0: messengerbirdscom is our website, which has links to our merch store and all of our social media. Um, but our social media is, would be so facebook.com slash the messenger birds uh instagram is at the messenger birds twitter is the same thing but messenger doesn't have any vowels in it so like m s s n g r birds birds the before (laughs) it um and then um what else what am i forgetting youtube.com slash the messenger birds yeah it's all there uh we are where. Oh yeah, messengerbirds.bandcamp.com, where you can buy the the album digitally. If you don't want to, if you don't have a, a turntable
2: to play vinyl, um, TikTok is a new one yeah, for we're, us. We're on TikTok now. I don't know if you'll find any information
1: there, but <laughs> <all right. laughs> you'll see some. I don't know, maybe some stupidity over there.
2: Yeah, you'll see. You'll see stupidity. lots of stupidity
1: from us. I guarantee mm-hmm. you that. Thank you for listening to the Renaissance Soul podcast, hosted and produced by myself, Kelly K. Fresh Frazier, and by Anchor at anchor.fm slash renaissance soul. Renaissance Soul theme music provided by Steve O. You can find more of his productions at imsteveo.bandcamp.com, and that's E-Y-E-A-M-S-T-E-V-E-O.bandcamp.com. Renaissance Soul is available on all streaming platforms please rate and review on Apple Podcasts and Stitcher. If you want to support Renaissance Soul, please consider pledging via Patreon at patreon.com slash word. Follow Renaissance Soul on social media, on Instagram at runsoulpodcast and on Twitter at Pod. And join the Facebook group at facebook.com slash groups slash freshtheword. And for more information on Renaissance Soul, visit freshthepodcast.com. Thank you for listening and your support. Goodbye and good night.
0: Renaissance soul.